The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmitz. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll time. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend Editions here at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbo. We are rolled up and ready for the week that's been, <laughs> the weeks to come, with the uh, reshaping of college football. And, oh, yeah, by the way, have an incredible 4th of July holiday with friends and family and uh, barbecues. And we're here the next couple of hours to, to dive into the uh, incredible news of the week, and that is uh, expansion in the Big Ten and uh, try and figure out a timeline as to when and where the Big Ten stops their uh, their acquisitions. Number to get in. You can find us also on social media this morning with Hale Varsity. Uh, email the show to chris at halevarsity.com. Stream us espnlincoln.com. And uh, the Twitter handles at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt, that's me, at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Mark Cranach. Someday we'll get back on social media. We say good morning to Mr. Mark. Cranach, how's your, your pup doing with all the, the fireworks going off? Yeah, not too bad, actually. But it's probably because I haven't been around that much to know whether it's destroying him or not. Okay. So I went and watched Top Gun again last night. Nice. Top Gun 2. And could not take the dog. Hmm. How was Carolina, though? For those that don't know, Schmidt was in North Carolina, accepting the Nebraska Sportscaster of the Year Award shamelessly taking photos with Charles Barkley. Listen. And I'm assuming others. Uh, that's the only one I saw. Um, <laughs> I, but I, I know there was some fanboying going on, and listen, I'm not hating on it. No, no. I, I, I talked to Chuck about Nebraska because his dear friend oh, is – we're, we're on a Chuck name basis now. His dear friend is – is you. is Jabba Chamberlain? All right, so uh, there's okay. there's the the connection point. Chuck pro, Chuck's the best dude in the world, publicly and privately, legit. He's very genuine and awesome, and and you're he's giving you time. I am really anti fanboy, and that everyone's like <laughs> BS. Seriously, I I am. My wife, and you remember Audrey, uh, cousin Dino's wife. Uh, my, my, my dad and, and cousin Dino are, are, are gone, but not, not ever, not with me. That was a big kind of focal point of this, this past weekend, getting the award because of all the, the support and love and, you know, advice and, and just mentorship and to, uh, to loved ones, my dad, uh, you know, my dad for years and, uh, yeah. This was for him, and this was for Dino. Uh, Dino was always a, a big supporter of uh, of my career, and 
Audrey uh, was kind enough to drive out from uh, Bryson City, North Carolina, to to be with us. So the long and short of it is is Audrey and Aaron went chuck hunting for a picture. Okay. Okay. So there's kind of a red carpet thing where you take the picture, and then there's Charles and. There comes Audrey and my wife sneaking up behind Chuck, phone in hand, and uh, they said, hey, let's get a picture. And then at the end of the awards ceremony, my wife's literally throwing people out of the way. He's like, you're getting a picture with Charles. Like, I, I'll talk to him. I, I, I don't know if he wants to talk to me. And that's how the picture happened. But he was he was awesome. He's like, what's going to happen with Nebraska? What's up with my boy Frost? What's going to – I'm a big Frost fan. He's like, well, Chuck, why don't you get up here for Oklahoma? We'll get you a tea time somewhere, Wilderness Ridge. And uh, and you can go see your friend Scott Frost uh, for real. And so we're, we're – Working okay. on, we're working on you're that. Planting that seed. Okay. We're working on that. But you're very kind, Cranach. You've been with me from day one. I love you much, and we've had so much fun together with um, with just being able to tag team this thing. Uh, Saturday mornings and uh, high school football with Cox TV with you and uh, KRNU, man, way back uh, post-Nebraska-Tennessee uh, uh, Orange Bowl. So it's been a long time, but it was really awesome. Ernie Johnson was... Uh, wonderful. He handed out the award. Scott Van Pelt was there to hand out uh, a, a induction plaque to the Stuart Scott family, which was really cool. Scott Van Pelt was really gracious with his time, and uh, the, the the Scott family was great. So uh, Dave Gorin, who puts this on, he's sideline man for, for Wake Forest and a professor at Wake Forest. He is uh, incredible with this organization. And uh, all that that uh, they do. I mean, it's uh, the the NSMA is uh, is really uh, fabulous for for broadcasters, and they did a great job too with seminars with with people in college and folks that are young professionals, uh, having folks that have really done well in the business um, spend their time and offer their uh, their insight uh, as to. The, the new world, which is what we're going to transition back to with college football, because it is a new world of, of realignment. USC, UCLA is uh, now part of the Big Ten. And Cranach, this is this is incredible. And I put it back into the Nebraska context with thinking about where Nebraska would be without 50 years of great football. Think about where Nebraska football would be without uh, initial success that Trev Alberts mentioned. He had a, a sit down with Sip and, and Sam McEwen on Friday with where, you know, he, he was right on. Like, look where Nebraska football is now. Look where Nebraska football was when they first transitioned into the Big Ten, giving credit to the Sioux years and Polini. And look where it's at now. Look where it's trying to get back to, right? And it, it would be a tough, tough, tough sell. Whether you're going eight and four, nine and three, even if you were hypothetically still back in the Big Twelve, not going four and eight, three and nine into the Big, t- you know how, how how it's just gone from tough to 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 really tough the last few years. I mean, Nebraska would be on the outside looking in, except for that brand build that Devaney and Osborne put together, the greatness, the decades, the the fact that your eyeballs in this state and, and across the country as Nebraska alum and fans, they matter and they still make a monster dent when it comes to 
hell yeah, we want Nebraska. It's not an issue now, but it could have been if things weren't put into motion 12 years ago to, to jump ship and get some security. And think about this. Think of think of John Wooden. Think of UCLA. Think of Bill Walton. Think of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Think of 10 championships in a 12-year span. Think of uh, making reservations every year for the Final Four. That's UCLA basketball. And, and of recent, a Sweet 16 and a Final Four with Mick Cronin. UCLA is making a phone call as a flagship member of a conference to join the Big Ten. USC, think of the Carroll years. Think of John Robinson. Think of Marcus Allen. Think, I mean, think of the greatness that was that is USC football and, and the brand. And they go get Lincoln Riley, and they're making a phone call, Cranach, to the Big Ten. Bro, we... we Think we can bring some value for your TV negotiation rights? We fit academically. The whole uh, geography thing, eh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> can we join your league, bro? <laughs> uh, that That's what happened, and that's, that's incredible. And it's been a 180 on the uh, pinata that is Kevin Warren, because for him to pull this off is is monstrous. It's 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 awesome, and it's not stopping right now. It's uh, it's it's recess football. Who are you picking next? Who are you inviting? Who do you want on your team? Uh, there's somebody in South Bend. There's somebody in 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 uh, in Oregon. Maybe Washington. Maybe you don't stop. Maybe you don't stop at 20. Maybe you go to 24. Maybe you get to that 30 or 32 number. And you have an AFC and an NFC of college football here in five years. It seems like it. And because if you're in the Big 12 or the ACC right now. Or Pac-12. You're in the Pac-12, of course. Uh, yeah, you're just, it, it just, there's no way, right? You just, you just look ahead and you realize that pretty much all the behemoths are in one of two conferences, mm-hmm. right? That's just all there is to it. They're they're in the Big Ten or in the, they're in the SEC. Will they continue to be called that? I don't know. Mm. But like seriously, picture yourself if you are a middle to upper echelon program in the ACC, for instance. Proud history or not, right? But if you're like a Virginia or a Duke or a North Carolina. Right. Basketball butters the bread there. Everybody understands that. But football generates the most money, period. Yes. You you can't even argue about that. So what do you do if you're them? Right. You're just going to stand pat in the ACC and then watch as potentially Florida State, Miami head on to the SEC. Then what do you do? Right. It's just it's just very clear. There are only two conferences that are on the rise. And everybody else is not. They're just not. And it's going to upend absolutely everything. It's going to have impacts on the playoffs. It's going to have impact on just the the theory of conferences as we know them in the first place. Because they call them super conferences, but you know, it could be divisions. And what is that number going to be? And it's going to have to – they're going to have to work together. I don't get the sense that the Big Ten and the SEC are like working together. I think they've both kind of been in a bit of an arms race, but I think now you sit here and look at each other and you're like, oh, we are by far the biggest, baddest dudes on the block and everybody wants to be us. What do we do about this? What do we do about that? And if you're a USC and UCLA, 
I know people like might thumb their nose a little bit at the travel thing, but it, but it's significant. It is like what those two just signed up for. Like what? I mean, Nebraska is your nearest competitor. That's like a three-hour flight. <laughs> here's here's what's that is like. Here's what's not going to happen. Wow. Okay, I mean, Nebraska was brought in because they are a, a monster brand and people watch them. Okay, good, bad, ugly season. Nebraska still moves the needle. USC and, and, and Nebraska, what, what's the schedule been like since they joined the Big Ten? They've had Michigan or Ohio State every year, which hasn't gone well on the field, but that's why you go get in Nebraska because you want a Michigan-Nebraska or Michigan-Ohio State, uh, Nebraska-Ohio State matchup, right? You, you want those sexy throwback matchups that you only used to get once in a great while, non-conference, uh, and and. You, you have a chance to do that on a, on a regular basis now. USC and UCLA are going to are going to get brought in, and it's going to be what you've always watched on January one in the Rose Bowl. <laughs> It'll just be in September. You're going to get Michigan USC. You're going to get Ohio State USC. And if you add Notre Dame to this party, they play half the schedule anyway with their Big Ten and other rivalries. So that's that's just more uh, of of your calling card when we talk about all right the arms race that is the SEC versus the Big Ten. Well, you can di- differentiate yourself with some really incredible matchups, along with then working together to put the best product forward. Because you've got to figure out NIL, you got to figure out payer payment, and you've got to have a college football czar. I mean, that's. Those are all next steps when you have these two mega conferences to um, to streamline it and make it the best. I mean, what what's going to get you into the club, so to speak, is market size and what kind of value can you bring as this investment? You're going to get upwards of over $100 million a year to be in each league, the SEC and the new Big Ten. Uh, are you going to be a riveting football program that is high level or are you just going to be there to uh, to collect the check that's kind of the next thing uh do you start weeding some out that aren't carrying or, or, or paying rent not initially I, but that's what barnett was talking about yesterday that's a concern for some schools uh maybe i i i find it hard to believe that they would be looking to coal you would have to be a really offending program to do that, to, to get kicked out. Well, 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 tell me, what happens, say, eight years down the road when Lance Leipold has built Kansas into a football contender, they're already a basketball contender, and they're sitting in the remnants of the Big 12, and you're sitting here with, a, I don't name a Big 10 team that just can't handle the likes of USC and UCLA. Uh, most. Most, exactly. So, and you, you look at that and you go, well, now Kansas is a powerhouse in football and basketball in this hypothetical situation. We're, do you not, not drop a team to add? We're, we're not going to speak on hypotheticals because Lance Leipold will be the Nebraska coach by then. So it's <laughs> like the way we're not going to, you know, we can't. I'm we can't kidding. go there. <laughs> yeah, we can't go there. He's going to be in Nebraska. What are you talking about? Uh, so, uh, no, you're right, though. It, it, but it'll cut off at some point. Here's another thing. Can you imagine that USC and UCLA, are, 
like didn't get some assurance that they're going to get a couple more local universities in the mix so that they could have some some sense of a normal travel i i don't think you're i don't think you're asking for convenience right now i think you're asking for safe harbor i i get that but can you, do you think they make that jump completely with zero assurances that there's going to be like a stanford no i I, I think i think if they're hedging their bets you're waiting on the Notre, you're, you're waiting on the Notre Dame answer, mm-hmm. okay, and then I think you go add whoever you want and qualifies and can bring something to the party. Stanford and Washington TV market size do on top of the fact they've been Stanford hasn't for for recency, but they're they're always kind of there. And then you, you bring the tech and San Francisco combination. No brainer. I mean, it's it's prestigious. It's incredible. Same with Washington. It's in, in all sports. Too. Yeah, yeah, and, I, I and, and Oregon. And I mean, Oregon's with the, the Nike brand, and as good as they've been in football and basketball, got to do it. What's going to throw a wrench into that? Cranach and Elijah is uh, the the state level trying to keep Oregon State and Washington State tied to the hip with the other two public universities that will no doubt be getting a better offer from somebody. If you have a combination of the Pac-12, Big 12 r- remainder, right, that's a, a, an option. But overall, uh, y- you need to be able to make your own call as Washington, as Oregon, and not have to worry about your little brother. Look, they're not above taking little brother programs, though. Let's be honest. Rutgers and Maryland have very little prestige in just about any They have school. Washington, D.C. and, and New they've York. They've opened up TV markets. <laughs> I mean, they do. Well, but but if that's the cost for opening up, say, Portland or Seattle, I, I don't think that <laughs> I well, don't think the Big Ten well, would be too concerned. But, you know, either way, it's it's a boon for other sports, too. And I, you think about the ripple effects it'll have. Like basketball, it'll just kind of – hello, basketball conference is going to be awesome now. It already is pretty good. Yeah, you're already getting nine I, in. I mean, eight I think, or nine in, you're, you're going to you know, get two more. Do you, do, you stop, do you stop just at the West Coast, Mark, or do you, do you go fishing in the ACC? To, I mean, you're already coast to coast now from Jersey Shore to Hollywood. Do you go look at – North Carolina, that brand. You mentioned Virginia and Duke. I mean, Virginia's a prestigious institute that has some history, but, you know, they've been trying to figure things out. I think the SEC raids your Clemson and Florida State and Miamis. Uh, Probably, yep. So No, I think think it makes sense to add North Carolina, Duke, Virginia, Stanford, Notre Dame, Oregon, Washington – like yeah, you know, there's Just go I get think, them all. Who at you this want. point, I think I think Colorado's got a good shot too. For as much as we like to make fun of them, pretty good school, really uh, good school. And then geographically, it would make sense to not leave UC, USC and UCLA like so much of an outpost. Um, I you know I'm interested in what this is going to do to sports like baseball. In like in particular baseball, <laughs> I, I was just like immediately thinking of that. So you got UCLA who becomes uh, your USC favorite, probably the top historical <laughs> program. Yeah. But UCLA becomes the top mm-hmm. 
program at the conference just day one. Well, it, it beefs up, buddy. It be, it's no longer a two-bid league or a three-bid league in the Big Ten. But even scheduling-wise, what happens there? And then what is that? how does the rest of the conference respond to somebody like a UCLA coming? So, like, USC and UCLA coming into the conference football-wise, I, I don't – while intriguing, I don't think necessarily changes what you do as a program. You're, you're just sort of like, bring it. Let's go. See if you guys can deal with trench warfare every week. Right? Like, you're, you ready, you're ready for that. You're yeah. committed. Basketball, you're just like, okay, USC and UC, like, let's go. You know, we send teams to the final, final four. We send eight, nine teams to the dance every year. Like, let's go. Baseball, though, there, there's not an equivalent to UCLA. And historically, not an equivalent to a USC in that conference. Like, that's a game changer. So I, I think the institutions themselves are going to have to figure out, like, do you just want to get swept by UCLA, like, every week? Because that's what's going to happen <laughs> if we don't, if you don't like, get better. seriously figure out what we're doing baseball-wise. Like, start to invest some money. And by the way, that money's going to be there. Oh, big time. You know, so you can actually do it. Yes, it's better as a warm weather sport or whatever, but come on now. Facilities, NIL, all of that. You can you can make something happen because UCLA just walks right in as the best baseball program in the conference, bar none. Like, hands down. Especially with uh, Michigan coach taking off to Clemson. Which They're going to take a step which back Which is now. huge, yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, it's there are some advantages that the the two newbies will have and there's a, a whole lot of adjustment they'll have when it comes to style of ball and what type of offensive and defensive lines are you recruiting i mean we we're taught we, we we tried to cover all corners this week with it and you get the uh, the the notre dame perspective from kaz you know playing playing against usc all those years and when when they're right I mean, they they are as good as anybody with their talent pool in the backyard of of lines of scrimmage. I mean, there's been a lot of defensive linemen from USC that are in the league, right? Same with the offensive line historically. Under and, Carroll, uh, yes, <laughs> basically. But the, yeah. the 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 Lincoln Riley's got to figure it out now. I mean, he thought he was going to another Big Twelve stylistically figured out you know uh schemed league well you're you're coming to the big 10 here in three years so well yeah and and they need to it, it's going to test that theory because i think i think everybody's said that had, had that theory where it's like well the big 10 on a you know on a single game basis that's one thing but over the course of a season totally different thing mm-hmm. because of the trench warfare and the attrition this will put that to the test because ucla and usc are very Pac-12 schools. They're very much in that style. Like, they are not some physical bunch that is going to impose their will on you. <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> that ship sailed when Pete Carroll left. Oh, big time. Right? So it's going to test that theory. USC is uber talented, obviously. And they're going to be even more so under Lincoln Riley going forward, but it's going to test that. Like, are, is, is that a bunch of is that just what Big Ten fans say to justify not performing well in the playoffs? Do we just say that? <laughs> is is it you know to justify not being an elite 
uh, not having a lot of elite teams outside of Ohio State is just that, oh, it's just the week-to-week grind. Like, we'll see. We'll see. USC and UCLA joining is going to really put that to the test. My personal opinion is that it is true Mm -hmm. and that USC and UCLA are going to struggle early. And it's going to take them a little bit to figure out, like, oh, crap, we really do need linemen. (laughs) And we need to – and they need to be grown men. And we do not have that right now. They'll get the occasional pass rusher. They'll get the occasional good talent. I'm not saying they don't have any of that. But in terms of just depth across the board, straight-up girth, size, ability to withstand that long – season when you have back-to-back wisconsin iowa michigan ohio state something like that Mm -hmm. let alone the travel let alone the cold weather that they're not used to like it's going to be a huge adjustment for those guys football wise it's mark crane at chris schmidt elijah herbal weekend edition hail varsity radio uh conference realignment let's dive into the recruiting aspect of this uh bill dolman's our rewind as bill uh has done TV uh, across the country for a long time and loves playing the musical chairs game of realignment. So we'll reconnect with him at about uh, eight minutes or so. Greynack, when when you think of recruiting the West Coast, who's the one Husker recruit in your football life? that is your Nebraska-California connection? Who's the California kid you always think of? LP, yeah. Ralph Brown. Lawrence Phillips and Ralph Brown. That, that goes way back, I know. Um, in more recent times, Ricky Tenars. Okay, I think of, of Quincy and Nunwa. That's my, that's my recent. Yeah. My generation yeah. thinks of Adrian Martinez. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, even uh, Eric, oh, special teams uh, – Eric Martin. Yep. He was from that same area as Quincy and Nunwa. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been quite a few. Nebraska's struck gold there. Roy Hallou. Times. Oh, right? Mm-hmm. Taylor Martinez. I mean, honestly, some of the Steve bigger Taylor. names. I mean, I go way back. The, I think it's Steve Taylor, man. Yeah. Derek Brown's from that area. Derek Brown, yeah. Um, some of the bigger names in Brendan Nebraska were. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, some of the bigger names in Nebraska lore are from there. Um, doesn't mean they all work out, obviously. You know, Keyshawn Johnson Jr., hello. They don't all work out, but, <laughs> man, that's that's been a region that has been pretty good to Nebraska overall. There's There's been some real stars that have come out of there. You hit on the right California kid. He, is, he has been the perfect complement on one side of the ball or the other, and a monster difference maker. You talk about Ralph, uh, started as a freshman. You look at LP, as great as he was on the field. And then Brendan Stye is, I mean, he was incredible in Lincoln and then a wonderful pro career. Abdul Muhammad, Riley Washington. Uh, Yeah, and uh, you know what? (laughs) I look at Abdul, and that dude brought a absolute toughness to Nebraska, great receiver. I loved watching Abdul play, and he was a he was a, a big time get from Nebraska. Probably their first dude from Compton, and just kind of the mentality, the 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 work ethic, the just the attitude he brought. 
uh, really helped kind of flip things uh, in, in that 1990 recruiting class. So this is a great thing. But Nebraska is not, I mean, aside from Adrian, Nebraska has not been hitting a lot of home runs in in California. And we can, I don't want to get into the argument if, if Adrian was a home run or not. I'm just saying he was a, a guy who started a lot of years for you and did some good things and uh, but just ultimately didn't was win it. Was a factor. He was, was a, a thank factor. You, thank you. And then don't <laughs> You're forget looking it, for factors. The, yeah. And then Taylor Martinez. I mean, don't forget about T Magic. I mean, he was a, a California get as well. So, you know, we talk about the 500 mile radius and recruiting for Nebraska. The emphasis on Texas now with with Coach Applewhite, uh, what he can do there. Uh, the the regional recruiting that that Bill Bush is. A thousand percent locked in on, of course, Mickey Joseph and what, you know, what Mickey's going to try and do in Lincoln and Omaha and the Metro as well. I mean, that's that's incredible. But now who's going to be your ace in the recruiting world out in California? I mean, and Scott Frost has recruited California when he was at Oregon, obviously. So there's that uh, you have Riola with the Polynesian connection. Um, there's there's that opportunity but you know this this is a door that's not been closed but let's just say it, it's been cracked uh, maybe now it's opened a little more with uh, UCLA and and USC coming to the Big Ten it's exposure for the Big Ten and Nebraska can say that they're closest closest school to you at to uh, California that'll help Mark Cranach Chris Schmidt Elijah Herbal Hail Varsity Weekend. We'll rewind. Bill Dolman on conference realignment. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse, in an hour. Brandon Vogel back from the beach. That's on the way with Hail Varsity. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hail Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hail Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe, promo code GBR. Now back with Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. We'll uh, check in with Bill Goldman right now. The pride of Fairbury is Harris Combed. He has already made the trip to Mexico for illegal fireworks and he is now everyone's favorite dude in the neighborhood billy d happy fourth how are you happy fourth uh, to you i was just in boulder explaining um the ways of the big sky uh to the folks there and uh talking about what it's going to be like for northern colorado and cu and all those schools to get together well, it, yeah. I remember when Colorado and Colorado State would always play at the old mile high, you needed to roll in with a gas mask because <laughs> there would be several fights and tear gas would be dispersed. Uh, I, that that wouldn't be a great thing. I want to get your thoughts here back on Nebraska and this expansion. We talked yesterday. Thanks for your insight on TV and, and what what next shoe drops. If If you were asked how would you go about the scheduling piece of this 
in the future? Because on the docket in the future, you've got home and homes with Colorado, Tennessee's kind of around the corner, and uh, you're wrapping up Oklahoma. So what do you do moving forward? Do you, if this thing grows enough, do you just play everybody in the league because it was going to be a non-conference game anyway? Or do you still try and venture out and play somebody from the old Big 12 or somebody from the new or old SEC or ACC? How do you go about this first and foremost administratively? I, you know what? I don't know. I was thinking about that last night after we got done with the show. It, it's almost as though these, these two conferences are going to get so big that they're going to have to have conferences, not divisions, conferences within the conference where you have, you know, six teams in your conference that you have to play every year. And there are going to be years where you may not see somebody else in your league for three or four seasons. And that's not too out of the, what we've got going on right now with, I mean, when was the last time Rutgers was in Lincoln, like 2015 or something like that. Uh, Nebraska hasn't been there very often. But, I mean, that, that to me is Kevin Warren and Greg Sankey, the commissioners of the Big Ten and the SEC, respectively, saying, uh, you guys figure it out. And, you know, they're hiring smart people to figure out scheduling, figure out logistics, all of that, and who else they're going to partner in to the league. But to be honest with you, that's why they've got a couple of years before there's full membership for those schools. And I'm guessing that those at the highest levels could care less about that headache right now. All they care about is who's going to fill out the the remaining couple of spots in the two big conferences. And they could care less. And I will say this. I hate to admit it, but I think I may have been somewhat in air yesterday when I thought, you know, I thought that they would probably keep the ACC uh, intact. I think the ACC is probably calling the Pac-12 and the and the Big 12 and trying to figure out how do we adapt. Um, how did you guys cope? I think they're probably in some group counseling session together, and the ACC is the new member. Um, because I really think that this is uh, – I think we're headed to what I, what I did say yesterday, Clemson, FSU, Miami, uh, going to the SEC. Big Ten's going to get Notre Dame and then whomever else they want to uh, take from the Pac-12. And however they schedule it, that's not the issue for the day. Bill Dolman's with us. Uh, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Bill, what would you like to see with Nebraska's permanent rivalries? Uh, And that was a discussion point the last seven to ten days right well yeah you keep iowa you, you keep wisconsin you have minnesota and then everything else you can kind of rotate through do you want to see sc or ucla as as permanent because they're not really but they're kind of your neighbor you were the furthest most west <laughs> outpost now they are but you're in the middle and a lot of great history with UCLA. It's been a while since you played SC, except for the bowl game and the, and the holiday bowl in 2014. But I'd love to see one of the two California schools yearly uh, on Nebraska's schedule. And then you rotate Michigan and uh, and, and Ohio State. Uh, but, but keep Iowa 
and keep Wisconsin for sure. Well, you have to have some. You have to have some semblance of of a, st- a stable rival, which is why the Big Twelve went south when it first happened, saying no more Nebraska, Oklahoma. I, I, if that had happened, Nebraska would still be in the Big Twelve, and maybe none of that. Well, this is probably still happening, but Nebraska would be, you know, partnered up with Oklahoma and Texas probably, but. You have to maintain, whether Iowa wants it or not, Nebraska and Iowa is a natural rivalry. It's perfect for Black Friday in November, and everybody's got to just realize that that's the way it's going to be, and there's some naturalness to it. You know, if you go back to the old Big Eight days, Nebraska had, you know, good Saturday rivalries with everybody that they played, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and all that. But there really was kind of that midseason rivalry with Missouri, Mm -hmm. right? So you've got to have something like that that has some stability that, you know, it's that midseason game that's going to be black and blue. And I think that that probably comes with Wisconsin, maybe Minnesota. Um, and how happy is P.J. Fleck that the that USC and UCLA joined the conference to kind of erase him from the headlines for the couple for a day? Oh, he'll find but, a way. <laughs> well, I but but I think that you know you you've got to have Iowa and Wisconsin, and I think there's a naturalness to um, uh, to Minnesota, Northwestern. I, I I saw that I had seen that what you had sent me with the four team, <laughs> the four divisions within the Big Ten. Yep. There was one that had four, which you know as I and I was having a conversation with a friend of mine today that how how do you round out. With, comp, with a team that's going to make sense if you're going to go to 20. And do you remember back when the Big 12 was formed and Baylor got in, and everybody's like, how in the world is Baylor in and not Houston, the largest TV market the in Texas and all that? Governor Ann Richards saw to it that Baylor got in and Houston was out. Look, Syracuse is not a major market by any stretch of the imagination, but I would venture to say that 75% of the major TV power brokers in this country are Syracuse grads. Mm -hmm. And they are going to be doing all they can to convince the powers that be that Syracuse should be in the Big Ten if the the ACC is going to get dismantled. It doesn't make a lot of sense. No, did Nebraska make much sense? Yes, it did, because Nebraska is a brand. But in the world of television, Syracuse is a major player because of how many people are alums that work in television in New York. And don't be surprised if there's some people pulling those kinds of strings saying Syracuse should be in as opposed to somebody else. Bill with, I mean, potentially Syracuse coming or Duke or Stanford or Oregon, Washington, the the, the list goes on and on. I don't think anyone thinks the big 10 is done. And with this many teams in the conference, uh, I mean, obviously adding new TV markets and adding new teams is going to drive more revenue from that TV rights deal. But do you think we're coming to a point where the, the college football season is going to get expanded? I mean, that's a great way to add more revenue, uh, add more games. Do you think you could see a 14-game college football slate coming somewhere down the road? I don't know if we're going to go, you know, the, you know, the health of the player, the health of the player and the wealth of the player are very big topics of conversation. If you play more games, you're going to have to pay them. And I said yesterday, there are people that are behind the scenes right now trying to figure out a way to get into a college football labor market and you're going to, you're going to hear talk of unions. I'm, I, I just know that's going to happen, but I don't know how you can go to a 14 game schedule. If you're still going to have playoffs and you're, and you're going to have playoffs within the conference. If you have four divisions, you probably have the division winners meet 
and then the winners of those games will meet, and then you'll have you know three playoff games within the conference itself, and then probably a college Super Bowl between the SEC and the Big 12. And uh, as charity, they'll give tickets to the Big 12, ACC, and Pac-12. You guys can come watch if you want. Or here's your EA Sports, uh, you know, uh, memento. Um, so I could see, I don't, I could see two bye weeks um, that, that elongate the season that way. But I just can't imagine that they're going to ask players to play that much more when health is such a concern. I'm interested to get your thoughts on, you know, once this this explosion happens and Notre Dame declares and Miami and Florida State and Clemson declare the leftover and there's good coaches, good programs, good kids, there's potentially a, a, a third league. So who's, who's the strongest conference right now that could duct tape together a league and, sur- and survive is the ACC going to absorb the pack the re- the remnants of the Pac-12 or the Big 12 is the Big 12 going to be uh, brought into the fold with what's left over who doesn't get in behind the old velvet rope of Studio 54 who's okay those that have been excluded who can rally and at least start their own kingdom which which of the leagues Look, I, I think that those three conferences are going to – I like I said, I, I thought yesterday the ACC might be protected, but nobody cares about – I'm finding out more and more as I talk. Mm-hmm. It, it, as, as romantic as college basketball is in Duke and North Carolina, they'll preserve that rivalry one way, the other, one way or the other. But I think you're going to have those – the power brokers in those three conferences saying, okay, which 16 to 20 teams out of the rest of us – are going to make us viable and are we going to be willing to subsidize those that aren't and so like a tcu which did everything it could get it to get into the big 12 you know and and maybe a baylor or a byu or central florida cincinnati i think at some point they're going to go okay what are our big tv markets and those of you that aren't in big tv markets or have any branding value to us whatsoever oh, we're just sorry you know we got this happen to us, so we're going to have to do it to you, and we will send out you know, letters of recommendation to the AAC, the Mountain West, the big sky. <laughs> I was kidding about it yesterday, and I'm starting to think, you know what? There might be some, you know, I, I, I just I think that what's left of those three conferences, they're going to try and take their best brands that they possibly can <clears throat> and try to sew something together, but it will be in no way, shape, or form as lucrative or command the attention of the money that the Big Ten and the SEC uh, are doing, and and Notre Dame uh, is Notre Dame is just going to have to play now. They they, they it, it's over. They they need to they need to come to the realization that they can no longer be independent. You can keep your NBC contract and the millions it brings, but you are going to be in a conference. That's just the way it's going to be for you. Or you can go join the ACC and you do that, and we're going to take Syracuse, Pittsburgh, Clemson, Florida State, and Miami. And that's that conference you'll be in, Notre Dame. And you won't have anyone to play because <laughs> everyone else and you won't is... have any, Or you can go to the Big East. You know, I, I hear there's a couple of kittens that are <laughs> that are running free right now trying to get into a conference, and uh, their names are Kansas and West Virginia because they have decent basketball programs. So, you know, they might be uh, they might be at the doorstep of the Big East Conference right now. Um, that I I I I would not 
I bet Kansas is trying to get into the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. But I, I would not doubt if they're not headed for the Big East to be a part of a good basketball conference with Creighton and, and teams like that. Got about a minute here. How embarrassing is it for what Oregon's become to be told to, to go to timeout along with Washington? We're waiting on Notre Dame. Per Dennis Dodd's report by the Big Ten. Well, I don't think – I know he's he's out. Uh, he's too far in the left field. But if Notre Dame comes in, then you still have to add, you know, if you're going to get to 20. Three. Um, then they're going to have to add, what, uh, two, three more teams. And I still think Stanford has to be in that mix because of the San Francisco market, the academics that it brings. And I get the AAU stuff, and you've got to have that declaration for your academics. Can I buy buy a vowel with $100 million I'm going to get? You know, okay, so Nebraska's not in the AAU or whatever. They're a brand that's important to the Big Ten. Stanford's got a brand. Um, but yeah, Oregon just not in a big TV market. You know the same with you know Washington's in a big market, Seattle. But you know you, you better you better just be glad that you're on the list that to maybe get into the club. Bill Dolman, proud of Fairbury NBC Sports. Bill, have a great weekend. Happy Fourth, buddy. Thanks for the time this week. Go Big Red, and thank God for Tom Osborne and the move that was made so many years ago. Amen to that. That's uh, Bill Dolman. A quick timeout. Coach Kaz on the way. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome back. It's Hour 2. It's the weekend edition. Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbel. We've got Cranach for a little segment here. Baseball practice, dude. Are you... Yes, sir. We got baseball at eight thirty. So all right. Yeah. Well, uh, well at night. So we got to leave at eight thirty. No, I get you. I get you. Back from the beach. Back from the sun. And uh, he shook up the college football world. The return. We uh, welcome in managing editor with Hale Varsity Magazine. HaleVarsity.com. Brandon Vogel at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter, author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion. I'm staring at the Hale Varsity yearbook right now. Vogues, welcome back. How was the beach? How was the sun? Anything new? A um, <laughs> couple of things new while I was, while I was gone. Uh, the beach was, I think we've established on this show. You hate it. Uh, at various points. I, I, I'm not the biggest beach fan, um, but because we had 14-month-old, we collectively over two days spent about two hours preparing to go to the beach and uh, about a total of 30 minutes over two sessions at the beach. So uh, good job, Max, for decreasing my beach time. <laughs> uh, did, you, uh, did you get fried at all? 
No, wasn't out there long enough to give pride. Um, and of course, with with the young one, pretty pretty uh, vigilant with the the sunscreen. So luckily, uh, just another benefit to me of uh, having a young one in tow. Well, there we go. So let's uh, get your take, man, on the addition. Uh, the SEC slogan is "It just means more," right? Well. What's the uh, Big Ten's new slogan going to be that, that since Hollywood's coming to the league? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> it's really far. <laughs> I mean, that's kind, of, that's kind of my gut reaction. You know, so when, when the SEC made its coup of uh, Oklahoma and Texas, you know, one of the thoughts, and I think a lot of people were thinking like this, like, well, well, that's kind of it. That's like, the, those are like the big two left. And, you know, we're in a world in college athletics where it's based, the SEC and the, the Big Ten get to go first. Um, and meanwhile, the ACC, Pac-12, and Big 12 are just kind of hoping to hang on. Uh, it's an unfortunate reality in, in my mind, but it is what it is. And it, it felt like Texas and Oklahoma were the only big two left. I mean, Notre Dame is in there. Um, but when you talked about potential Big Ten expansion, like I wasn't even thinking about USC and UCLA because those those two programs and two universities do fit the bill as big ones left. But what are you going to do? Have a conference that spans from New Jersey to California? Uh, turns out, yeah. And it really is incredible. And I think you nailed it, Brandon, where it's just like you, you didn't see that one coming. You know, you, you figured that the Big Ten would have some sort of response, but probably didn't think it was going to happen this summer and probably didn't think it was going to be Southern Cal. What, so let's take football off the table for a second because we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. But with the other sports, um, what do you, which sport do you think will see the greatest impact and potentially change what current Big Ten teams do as a result of these two programs coming into the conference, what sport do you think will also get affected greatly? Hmm. Uh, it's, it's hard because recruiting has become so national in most sports now. I mean, my gut reaction is probably, probably baseball. Um, yeah, so, you know, we're, we're very, very familiar as, people who follow Nebraska that, that the Huskers basically spend the first six weeks of the season, you know, on the road in Texas, Arizona, or California. Um, I think having two conference teams out there is interesting from, from that perspective. You know, there's a ton of like logistical questions for that. Um, it also, you know, also doesn't hurt volleyball by any means, although it, it might be a bigger boon to, to USC and UCLA. Not that, you know, those programs have, have fallen off to a great degree, but if volleyball, women's volleyball used to be just dominated by West Coast teams. Uh, then the Big Ten kind of rose up, and specifically Nebraska and Penn State and Texas. Um, so I think the Big Ten was already far and away the best volleyball conference in the country, and it got stronger with the addition of those two. So I'm actually, you know, as just a volleyball fan, I'm pretty excited about the addition of USC and UCLA for that. Uh, Brandon, while we're talking volleyball here, I mean, you can talk all you want about potential more expansion. I think Oregon and Stanford, or sorry, Washington and Stanford would be super exciting uh, if they were to join the Big Ten for volleyball. But one thing I've seen 
is that USC and UCLA both have a men's volleyball program. Your thoughts on them joining the Big Ten? Does it bring about men's volleyball in the Big Ten? Uh, I'm pretty pretty interested in that. I haven't had the chance to to talk to Coach Cook about that. He has obviously been an advocate for for men's volleyball at Nebraska, or even at, at you know he's talked about it as it would be a great fit for Omaha. But this this at least opens that door. And you know, in boys volleyball at, at the high school level, um, largely a West Coast sport, but there is you know kind of the Michigan Great Lakes region. Uh, it, it, there is boys volleyball at the high school level there, so that could be that could be pretty interesting. Um, and I would I would be a big fan of that if if that were to come to pass. Brandon Vogel with his Hale Varsity Radio. So Vogues, let's turn it to Nebraska football, and we're two years away from SC and UCLA joining. Nebraska's to do list remains the same, doesn't it? get better, get competitive, because you're adding UCLA is good enough to be, or at least has enough talent to be dangerous in a given year. The expectation is for USC to to be a playoff team. They, they never cracked the playoff uh, in, in the playoff era. It was Washington, and then he had the Oregon years. So is the, the clock even moving a little bit quicker for Nebraska to get right with these two teams coming on board? I think so, um, because <laughs> USC, we'll, we'll, see what they, we'll see what they become under um, Lincoln Riley. I mean, I think like most people, I expect them to be, uh, if not pretty good pretty quickly, certainly a lot better than they were uh, during the Clay Helton years. You know, that becomes interesting timing for Lincoln Riley, and I don't think there's much you can do from a coaching perspective. Like, his job is to get that program on its feet as quickly as possible. You can't worry about the fact that, oh, say you do that this year. USC has a great schedule this year, by the way. Uh, but but say you do that this year um, and do it again, you know, you can get a little bit better in year two. Oh, then you got to go play in, in, in the Big Ten, you know, sort of similar to you, Nebraska playing back-to-back. Big 12 championship games and then making a conference switch. We live that all firsthand and it ain't easy. UCLA is a little bit more middle of the road at this point. I mean, I think they're in a pretty similar spot to Nebraska, but okay, let's, you know, agree that basically USC and UCLA come in, will come into the conference in a very similar spot Nebraska is in. Um, Certainly not behind them, maybe ahead of them. So, you know, Nebraska has a lot of teams ahead of it in the Big Ten to make, make up ground on. Uh, by the time that move happens, you could might be able to add USC and UCLA to that list if Nebraska doesn't show progress of its own. So I think it does increase the urgency. You know, the Big Ten came out and said they're standing pat right now with the addition of USC and UCLA. But, of course, there are thoughts about, you know, what about Oregon? What about Washington? Even in Colorado, what about Stanford, Notre Dame? You know, there's a bunch of other programs out there that might make sense, especially westward. Um, But that in mind, do you think that USC and UCLA probably got some assurance that it would happen, that they would have some relatively local competition? Do you think they would have made this jump without that assurance? I think it's possible they would have made the jump without the assurance. Like for those, for 
schools that are in kind of the the other three of the Power Five leagues, um, I think there's a certain desperation here. Like if you've got a, if you've got a, a a landing spot in the Tony neighborhoods of the Big Ten or the SEC, you, you take it and figure it out. I think it's probably un, it's it's very unlikely in my mind that that conversation didn't come up. And in my view, the Big Ten. It has to add other teams in the West because you look at this from a football perspective. Like, okay, uh, you know, USC and UCLA are going to get their home games, and but that's a sport where you're used to traveling once a week for it. And oh, by the way, it's pretty well established in the NFL uh, that teams jumping two time zones, which would be every road trip for USC and UCLA. Uh, don't perform so well against the against the spread. In fact, it gets worse each time zone you go over. Um, I looked at it briefly for for college football last season and Pacific, Pacific time zone teams went one and six straight up uh, against Central or East Zone. So small sample size, but I'll go back and look at it in multiple years, and I suspect uh, that holds true at the college game. For all the other sports, you're looking at okay. Every time USC or UCLA comes west, they're, they're going to play multiple games there. Or comes east, they're going to play multiple games. Every time a classic or current Big Ten team goes that direction, well, you're just going to play both of them. So, I mean, even our normal basketball schedule or volleyball at this point, with how much the Big Ten network covers it, is scheduled for you know structured around TV, so you can kind of maximize your windows. Now I think you got to almost go to a, a weekend or something close to it type of scheduling where you're playing two games in quick succession. It changes a lot. Vogues, uh, let's get into the next moves for the Big Ten as they're taking a breath now. Dennis Dodd reporting that Washington and Oregon told to uh, <laughs> wait over there. <laughs> <laughs> while, while Notre Dame's uh, figuring things out. What do you suspect with with the Irish? What's your feel on, on Notre Dame? Is that the next get for the Big Ten, or is it more likely, in your opinion, to, to, to grab some more uh, of the Pac-12? Uh, yeah. I think Notre Dame has to see what's happening, but – it really benefits the Irish to because they've always been like kind of the golden egg that's out there. And, you know, everyone would take it instantly. Um, and they have consistently sat back and said, nope, we're, we're Notre Dame. We do our independent thing. And like the longer they wait, <laughs> the better that gets for them. So I don't see Notre Dame as the next the next edition we hear about for, for the Big Ten. Again, I think it has to be something, well, essentially west of Nebraska, just to make this make a little bit more sense from a scheduling perspective. Uh, and, and Notre Dame will have the opportunity to sit back for a little longer. It's just a matter of how long that is, because I think this kind of, if you want to call it a counter move to what the SEC did, however, however you want to phrase it, like it's pretty clear where this is headed. And the SEC and the Big Ten are in no way kind of relinquishing the upper hand they have on the sport of college football at this moment, and everything else kind of flows from there. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. You, you know, you just mentioned it's clear where this thing is headed, and it's funny because even going back years, there there's this talk of a, you know, like 32 teams, super conferences. Um, 
is, is that where it is headed? <laughs> like when, when you hear – like I think we know both the SEC and the Big Ten in their current iteration are the ones that are going to gobble up the good teams and like we know that. But do you have more specifics beyond that or do you have a hunch – are, are we talking about 32 team super super conferences? Are we talking 24? Like, what's your what's your gut tell you? Yeah, I, so I think the the hurdle, and it's always been the hurdle with college football, is you know as we talk about <laughs> in a lot of phases because it touches everything in the sport. Is there's just no central authority, and so I, I have a hard time seeing basically us having a college football league, for example, where it's, you know, the top 50 or 60 teams, maybe we'll get there. It, you know, it's, it's, it seems closer to reality now than ever before. But the SEC makes so much money kind of looking out for its interests. The Big Ten does the same. Are those two ever going to give that up and say, well, if we do it together uh, and we bring in, you know, we, we have the in crowd, however, however big that gets, whatever other schools you want to invite to the party. Um, and, and then you basically just have a de facto pro league, which I like from a clarity perspective, like college football, I, I've come to really love the mess that it is, but it'd be nice if, if you can had say 40 teams, you're like, okay, well, we've got 10 the 10 westernmost teams and whoever wins that grouping uh, goes into the playoff, you know, it, it just makes sense. Like the way all other sports work, literally. Um, but I just don't know if, if how long it's going to take for the Big Ten to finally say, okay, like we've, we've maximized what we can do on our own. Uh, let's start talking to the SEC and whatever other conferences are left at that point and see if we can uh, squeeze even more money out of this thing by doing it together. And, and Brandon, I'm not sure if that's going to be five years down the road or 20 years down the road, but it is coming. In, in the yeah. shorter term, though, I mean, what the Big Ten has done with this move with USC and UCLA is they've added uh, another huge TV market, and they now control six of the top eight TV markets in the United States, the two remaining being that, that San Francisco and Oakland metro area and the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area. Do you think it's more likely in the short term that when the Big Ten goes back for more expansion, are they going to try to add these these next two TV markets? Do you think they're going to add schools that make sense from a, a football and athletic point of view? Probably, I think we're at a point where, you know, USC and UCLA and Los Angeles itself that was kind of the biggest chip left on the table. Um, so at this point, I think we're looking more at a kind of a, a fit uh, a type of thing. And we've seen the Big Ten do both. You know, Rutgers was largely <laughs> largely a TV market. Um, Maryland, maybe not to, quite to that degree, but pretty much. Nebraska and Penn State were more of what I would call quote-unquote fit additions when, when the Big Ten made those. So we've seen them go both. Um, we've seen them be pretty smart, I think. You know, whatever you think about Rutgers and Maryland in, in the Big Ten, it certainly increased their earning potential, uh, the conference's earning potential. So I think it achieved its uh, objective there. So I think at this point you're looking mostly towards fit. You know, if we're talking about, the remaining pack, well, now pack 10 teams, I guess, starting in 2024, Oregon makes a ton of sense. That's, you know, a, a school like Nebraska that's 
not located necessarily in a huge TV market, but has a really passionate fan base, has strong athletic programs across the board. Um, Washington, you know, I know the Big Ten has technically told them to, to hold on or reportedly told them to hold on, but, but those two make the most sense. Um, you start looking outside of that and the, the Pac-10 and, you know, Stanford and Cal uh, don't don't add as much kind of athletic prestige, but I don't think you can totally rule out the academic piece of this when you're talking about the Big Ten either. Vogues, do you anticipate the, the roadblock being real with Washington and Oregon uh, from a from an Oregon State and Washington State perspective? The the the, the local politicians and governments make it real hard for Washington and Oregon to to make that next move if if the little brother isn't brought along? Um, I mean, I think local local politicians can attempt to make it hard. I mean, if, if you know, it, it is true that Oregon and Washington instantly, not instantly, but pretty close, reached out to the Big Ten. Uh, that tells you how they feel about those particular uh, – about the importance of maintaining those. I'm, I'm not saying it's not important, but, you know, it's kind of, okay, if we could go to the Big Ten, would we give up playing Oregon State every year? Um, or maybe you'd find a way to keep that. Um, that told me that those schools, at least, are willing to look at maybe giving up those rivalries. And, you know, this was, this was the case with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State for a long time. And Oklahoma's going to the SEC. So I think there'd be some resistance, but I don't think it's a deal breaker or a roadblock by any means. How many really, truly good programs are out there left to be absorbed? Uh, when, it, when we talk about combination of brand, you bring something financially, and you don't suck on the field. Um, I mean, Oregon is certainly that. And, and when you look at, you know, their excellence really across all sports, I think that only adds to it. I mean, we know, like, you can start with football. Um, I think Washington's pretty close. Um, you know, Colorado athletics would have been one for me probably 10 years mm-hmm. ago, but I'm not sure that they've it, – it, it, it has totally found its footing in the – in the Pac-12 to the point where, you know, if it were me just drafting teams, like I'd look pretty hard at Utah, um, maybe even ahead of Colorado at this, at this point. Um, And, you know, you've got a really concentrated and devoted fan base with, with Utah too, which I think we've seen in their, their move to a power five league, you know, and then you get to, you get into the program. I mean, I think, we all know Kansas' football history, right? Um, I think Kansas still, based on basketball, and if they can just get that football program to a point where it's, you know, consistently competitive instead of the worst Power 5 team not named Vanderbilt and maybe even worse than Vanderbilt lately, um, Kansas is still a good get. Oklahoma State remains one. I mean, then you move into the Big 12. And, then, of course, the ACC, which is the big wild card in this, it's hanging together for now. But most, like, the big, and, you know, we haven't even talked about this for the Big 10 yet, but, like, I think the big kind of unopened frontier for them is finding a way to get into the South. So you look at a North Carolina um Duke, again, a basketball school. Clemson is all obviously out there. 
Um, you've got the Florida schools in the ACC. Like that's the missing piece for the Big Ten. I think is to now it's got to get to the South, and I, I would look pretty hard at at those schools who in the ACC might be willing to make the jump um, because it becomes a little bit of liar's poker here. You know who's who's going to move first. Mm, yeah, but Georgia Tech, you could see potentially. Um, yeah, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Hey, real quick, Brandon, uh, to more stuff germane about Nebraska's actual football team. Um, you know, Nuruddin Nawili, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, uh, presumably one of the starting guards for Nebraska, um, suspended for an entire year for substance abuse, and he comes out and admits it. What does that do to Nebraska's offensive line picture um as you there's been a lot of talk about tackles and what you're what you're going to do there but what, what does this do overall for nebraska and and um do you think maybe they turn one of those tackles move one of those guys inside yeah i mean corcoran has kind of been painted as the potential swing guy you know so even before this you know the Lally's suspension um where Corcoran ended up was, was kind of the key to the whole thing. But even more than that, and I, I thought this, you know, before that news came last week, like Nebraska has a lot of chips on Teddy Prochaska, um getting, getting back to full health, which I think, you know, will happen of course. Um, and being kind of what we saw in a limited sample size now, um, you know, with, with a spot open at guard, uh, it, it looks like, okay, well, that's a potential spot for Corker now. It just it, it accentuates how good I think Nebraska needs Prochaska to be. Um, how good the fill-in at center, which for right now looks like Hickson could be. Um, it just ups the I think Annie on what this offensive line has to do for Nebraska to get where it needs to go because it was it was a it was a presumed starter who's who's now gone. Vogues, have a great 4th of July weekend. Enjoy time with family, bud. Thanks for jumping on with us uh, and taking time today. You too, guys. Thanks a lot. There he is. Appreciate Brandon Vogel. Craig have a great 4th with uh, the fam, brother. Appreciate it. You too. And we will chat next week, my man. All right. There he is. Mark Craig quick time out. We'll check in with the Iron Horse. Gary Sharp's next. Hail Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. And then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Well, we are holding off on the martinis till 9 a.m. Central Time. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Cranach off to a hit grounders. Bless his heart. 
We welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp. Sharpie, good morning. Happy Fourth of July weekend, bud. Hey, good morning to you guys, and happy Fourth of July as well. I can't believe that it's already July 2nd. You blink, and we are uh, we are here, and uh, then it's media days, and then it's Ireland. It's accelerated, and the change in college football accelerated quite a bombshell. Uh, not that they're... We all thought there was going to be more movement uh, in college football, Gary, but wow, this really came out of nowhere. And uh, SC and uh, UCLA uh, moving east, sort of, kind of. What do you think? Well, I, you know, it's to some it might be surprising, but when you think about the landscape and the future of college athletics, it's really not. Now, USC made perfect sense. UCLA? He needed a dance partner. I think both of those schools, and, you know, USC is a national brand. There's this nostalgia. There's old money there. Uh, even though they haven't been as successful in football, it is still USC. And USC is the pillar of the Pac-10, now the Pac-12. But when you're looking at the SEC and you're looking at the Big Ten and you're hearing about all this money that they're making, Rutgers is making, Vanderbilt is making, and you're like, we're the USC. We we are in a conference where the Pac-12 network has completely fallen apart. We are not getting paid what we think we should. Yeah, you start to look around and you think, okay, we're in a decaying conference. Let's see where we can go. And the Big Ten and USC and UCLA got together, and we saw what I think, you know, a year ago, it was a big deal for Texas, Oklahoma. USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 to come to the Big Ten is bigger than that. It trumps it. We're talking about nearly 100 years of a conference where the mainstays, they take off. Your Los Angeles market leaves, and it leaves your conference devastated. Um, I like conference realignment. I, I used to subscribe to, oh, this is what makes college great. But then the Big 8 morphed into the Big 12, and a team in the Big 12 moved into the Big 10. And you have to adapt and die, or you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska's in a good spot. Nebraska has a nice, table, a nice seat at the Big Ten table, but it's not over. I mean, this is, there's all kinds of moving parts that are going to go on. And I, I think eventually we've talked about it plenty of times, Schmidt and Elijah, and when Mark was on, you know, we're headed to the haves and the have-nots having more separation. And maybe we are going to finally get to the finale of four 16-team conferences or whatever it becomes, four 20-team conferences, where they make up their own rules. That's where we're headed. Um, And the Big Ten, in this case, they're headed to the Big 16. Gary Sharps with us, Hale Varsity Radio. I was reading uh, some of Trev's comments with the the World Herald with Sam and then with Sip and on three, and he's talking about, you know, getting comfortable being uncomfortable and just the, the fact that Nebraska, to your point, is at that big table. And, uh, Gary, how, hypothetically, how we started talking about this. I mean, Nebraska is just, the, the best way to put it is is blessed. Not that it doesn't offer its own fan base, eyeballs, passion. It, it totally does. And it offers that that history of of brand that, that was built up with Devaney and Osborne and, and how tough a sell – think about being Nebraska, man, right now if you were still in the Big 12 trying to find a landing spot. And I'm not saying that you're going to be 3-9 and nine in the Big 12. Your record would probably be better. But, man, think about being uh, someone out in the ocean trying to find a raft. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? You would have probably already moved. Because yeah, Nebraska, the, the, Nebraska, despite 
the struggles on the football field and the struggles in other sports, Nebraska is still a national brand. And I said this yesterday on my show. There's already a sense of urgency. And yesterday's or, or Thursday's moves reiterated that Nebraska needs to start acting like the national brand they are. They have resources. They have good people that want to support the program. They have, I believe, good structure in place right now. They need to get things turned around quickly and, and, and assert themselves as a national brand because California for recruiting has opened up. Californians for Nebraska are elated. Trips out to the Rose Bowl, to the Coliseum, they're on the horizon. So the, the, the clock ticking on Nebraska has moved forward a little bit with the addition of USC or UCLA because, you know, and that's, that's, Trev's used that line for a long time. I've, you know, he, he, he's used it plenty of times in conversation with me about, you know, how he looks at his athletic department and, and doing things the right way is you got to be, you know, um, you got to be uncomfortable, you know, doing the, unco- the comfortable. Um, it's, it, it's a time where I think Nebraska has a great opportunity here. Yes, they're going to make a lot of money, but Nebraska also has to move forward, and they've got to move forward quickly, which just continues. Doesn't it seem like, Schmitty, everything circles back to the most dramatic football season that we've ever encountered in Nebraska is what is going to be in eight weeks from today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you look at the, the, the future uh, and the, uh, the urgency, for sure. I mean, that's, you know, last year was – pressurized a bit in champagne how do you start right can you finally kind of break through well it's uh, it's 10 times the pressure and uh even uh, 10 times the road trip <laughs> to dublin to, to get things kicked off yeah it's you know and you got to be ready to go right away i i think this whole thing the movement you know nebraska's got a seat but nebraska makes needs to make sure that that's a cushion seat it's not a hard seat, but they've got to be able to move up a couple of chairs, and it all starts with football. But I, I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, college sports is ending. They're still going to find a way to keep regional rivalries. It's just there's more people involved. But this is, this is you know, this has been going on. We're, we're a decade into this, and this was a seismic shift for the importance of two programs, leaving the Pac-12, to come to the Big Ten. Now the next step, is, as you discussed, is – what does Notre Dame do? Notre Dame has a lot of leverage, but now the Big Ten, which you can play that national schedule that Notre Dame clamors to have because you're going from sea to shining sea, now Notre Dame to the Big Ten looks even more enticing, but they've got all the leverage in the world because if they leave their football out of the ACC, I think it completely dev- devastates the ACC. Gary, it feels like more Big Ten expansion is more of a question of when than if. So I, I want to get your take. Is this going to be something where we're talking about more expansion from the Big Ten a, a month from now? Or, or is this going to be something where they you know, sign a new media rights deal with USC and UCLA and cross the bridge of more expansion down, down the road at a later date? Well, this is – so I know, you know you get to 16 and you're thinking, okay, how do you get to 20? Who's going to come? And you start rattling off Oregon and Washington and Notre Dame and, oh, maybe there's one other team. I'm curious, if you were going to do this – wouldn't you bring all the Pac-12 teams that you were interested in at once? You know, so they all get out where they don't have to pay that substantial penalty in a couple of years. So I'm not, I know that there's probably more additions, but I'm not on the train of, oh, my God, it's going to happen quickly. Notre Dame is the wild card on what Notre Dame's going to do. And then if Notre Dame says yes, then you probably have to go to 20. Mm-hmm. But I, 
I don't know, at 16 right now, I think that's where they're going to be. Because here's, here's the thing, guys. And you can go through every team that would be viable. Does it make sense? Does it make sense to add Oregon? Does it make sense to add Washington? Are you just adding Washington to get the Seattle market? Do you need the Seattle market? You've already got five of the top seven TV markets in the country. How much more TV money can you make? And how much more of your current members, they want to spread the money around? You know, there's only so much money. As enormous as it is, there's only so much money. So does people want to start sharing? Or does an Oregon Washington say to the Big Ten, hey, we'd love to join you, and we don't need a full share like USC and UCLA are going to get? I'm sure there's a lot of moving parts, but I'm actually, with Notre Dame on the outside, and they're the wild card, 16 to me sounds good right now. It's interesting. You get that we bring value and brand and eyeballs in a number, number TV number two TV market. I mean, it was just a, a perfect win-win with SC and UCLA, Gary. That's the math right now, isn't it? Is finding who's gonna gonna make us some money versus cost the 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 members money with this new TV deal. What's gonna help enhance the the renegotiation? I'm interested in the timeline here because you're still. You're still kind of gliding right now versus sticking the landing with the the new Big Ten rights because you'll no doubt, I would think, have everything figured out with what your league's going to be with the new TV rights deal. If it stays at 16 or if you are going to go to 20 or 18, um, that's that's got to be figured out bef- b- beforehand versus adding after, right? I mean, that's that's the progression of, of this order, correct? Yeah, certainly. And, and here's the thing. We can all play fantasy realignment. It's whatever Fox wants right now. Yeah. If Fox says, we're good, we got L.A., we got 16, let's move forward, that's what they're going to do. I mean, this is, this is the mega power ESPN versus the mega power Fox. So if Fox says, nope, we're not stopping at 16, then they're going to expand. But again, you're, how much of that enormous pie do people want to split up? that are already in the conference, and for some schools, i.e. Nebraska, that had to wait before they got a full share. I mean, it sounds like USC and UCLA are getting a full share right away. So, you know, there's a lot of back and forth and logistics going on, but the power player here is Fox. And then the power player is ESPN with the SEC, because don't you think that the SEC now goes, okay, here's our counter move. Yep. What are you doing, Clemson? What are you doing, Florida State? We kicked the tires with you last year. How about we do more than kick the tires this year? It, that's the, the fascinating part of me is not what happens to the ACC, which I think is in a lot of trouble, or the Pac-12, or the Big 12. It's what is the next move by the SEC to counter what the Big Ten did yesterday. And we just grow closer to two conferences running college football. And really, if you think about it, guys, does the SEC and the Big Ten need anybody else? Do they need the other conferences? I don't think so. Mm-mm. Gary Sharp is with us here on a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Gary, shifting gears here just a little bit, semi-serious question. I think one of the, the most interesting aspects of USC and UCLA uh, joining the party is how it's going to open up recruiting not only in California but along the West Coast uh, as a whole. So if, say, Notre Dame is in the boat, do you think that 
uh, the Big Ten goes down to Texas, open up the Texas frontier and uh, get a school like TCU, not only to open up the, the TV market, but also to open up recruiting and third, to bring a natural foil to, to Notre Dame and get you that Catholics versus Protestants rivalry. <laughs> wow. uh, I see what you're doing there. Um, well, you can say, hey, let's see if Miami wants to come. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, the, the thing about like California, the, a lot of the Big Ten schools, including Nebraska, already recruit there. Um, so it's just another, it's another layer to, hey, you can tell a recruit maybe every other year we're going to be playing in California that mom and dad can come watch you play. Uh, you know, you've got to have the connections in California. But it definitely the footprint of the Big Ten, which is already strong from the recruiting angle. If you look where Big Ten schools are going in, like outside of Ohio State, which just goes everywhere, including Uzbekistan, to get players. Um, you know, the Big Ten's in a good spot. But it does open that up. But what does it do? Now, think about this on the other flip side, guys. What does it do for a Lincoln Riley recruiting? He's a recruiting machine. And he can step outside of California, and now he can go into the Big Ten blueprint and sell USC. So it's going to be fascinating. But there's one thing for sure, that when this starts, when those two programs join your league, and I like how we just kind of, we're just kicking UCLA football to the side, which they haven't been real since Terry Donahue was walking up and down the sidelines, is you better be ready to go or you're going to get passed by. And especially not knowing how schedules, divisions, pots, no divisions are going to be set up, you could get lost really quickly. And I think we will see, here's the negative of this, is there will be some current Big Ten football programs, and they're kind of already this way, that you know what, to not be good is pretty lucrative. You're still getting paid. That's just it. How long does that stay? <laughs> or do you yeah. get do you get booted out Premier League style? Sharpie, when, it's, when we talk scheduling, what, what do you want to see for Nebraska? How often do you want to see SC Nebraska, Nebraska UCLA? Uh, it was magical till kickoff when SC came to Memorial Stadium. Nebraska's had a great run in history of, 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 of series with UCLA throughout the decades. But what's the reality for Nebraska as part of that, uh, that must-see TV when we factor in the, the, the already existing chance to play Michigan or Ohio State and then the, the, the Midwest showdowns with Iowa and Wisconsin and Minnesota? What's, what's that look like from Trev's standpoint? Well, I, I think if you're looking at the California corridor and the city of Los Angeles, and you know what it was like in 06 when hordes of Nebraska fans went out to the Coliseum or the times that Nebraska has gone to play UCLA or, or even an 01 playing in the Rose Bowl, people show up. I mean, they, you know, they got the huge collection of Californians uh, for Nebraska. And then you've got people that it's a direct flight. You can hop on a plane in Omaha and you can fly directly to Los Angeles. I think ideally with USC and UCLA, every year Nebraska's playing one of them. Either you're going to Los Angeles or they're coming here. I think that's the most ideal setup for Nebraska. But, guys, that's the next part of untangling all of this is what does the schedule look like? You know, we, we, we were talking about the three-verse, you know, six model, and you get three regional rivalries, and they stay, and then you, you mix in the rest over a four-year period. I mean, does it, do you still get your three, or do they go pods? That's, that's going to be the tricky part of how do you schedule. But if you're at 16, it's a lot easier to do it with the pod mm-hmm. kind of – mentality if you go to 20 
you can still do it. But I think only 16 and 20. But I think Nebraska. I think because of where Nebraska is located, I think you're gonna you're gonna find possibly a Nebraska, Iowa, UCLA, USC kind of pot in there. And wouldn't that be fun to see USC awesome. or UCLA come to to Lincoln in uh, late November? I I dig it. <laughs> they might not. <laughs> yeah. Here, here here's the other thing. You, you're gonna have to if you're on the West Coast, and you know, I mean, neither one of those programs pack their stadium. They're fair weather fans. They're gonna have to get used to playing in the snow and the rain. And Big Ten teams are going to have to get used to playing, in some cases, uh, empty stadiums, mm. you know, where they where the passion is not as great as it is in Lincoln or Columbus or, or elsewhere. And then you have the 9 a.m. kickoffs. <laughs> you know, you're going to be playing, uh, if you're a West Coast team, you're going to be playing at 9 a.m. Or who is that first Big Ten coach that complains because they're kicking off at 8 o'clock out on the West Coast and they're not getting home until 2 or 3 in the morning? Or better yet, how about when Michigan State and USC play at the Galen Center on the campus of USC and tip-off is 10 p.m. Eastern. Mm. Gary, just to, to take a slightly different angle here to wrap, a little over a minute left, what does this do to Big Ten baseball? Uh, here's what I think happens to Big Ten baseball, guys. I think with the movement here, and remember there are a group of five conferences, there are like the Big East that does not have football. I think we just took a step closer to regional conferences for non-revenue Olympic sports, not named football, men's and women's basketball, okay. um, maybe even volleyball. There's the Big Ten loaded in volleyball, and you add those two. I think for cost uh, measures, I think a regional conference for those kind of sports makes sense um, because does it make sense for UCLA to fly all the way across the country, play a three-game series at Rutgers, and because you have to catch a flight at noon on, on Sunday, you have – you know, a, a curfew. Mm-hmm. I think it, it makes better sense to stay regional. You can still have a championship. It wouldn't be under the, you know, the, it, this is the Big Ten baseball. But you can still get NCAA berths and all that. I, I think that's another discussion that's being held by not only the big boys, but also some of the other conferences that don't have football that can, you know, supplement travel. But, man, the travel budgets are going to go up. Uh, and you have to address that. And I think that's one area where you can you can help your travel budget is if you can get regional conferences for, like, baseball and softball. Gary Sharp, the Iron Horse. Sharpie, enjoy your 4th of July with uh, family and friends. We'll get caught up again. Thanks for the time this morning. Hey, thank you once again. Everybody stay safe out there. And once again, congratulations, Smitty, on your... Uh your honor as a sportscaster of the year. Well, I appreciate you, Sharpie, for everything, man. Hey, All right. Guys. Take care. There he is, Gary Sharp. Good stuff from Elijah. We're off Monday. Back at it Tuesday with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A Huda Media Production.